One of the things that, you know, we've endured two years of, of intense psychological warfare. You know, as a, and by the way, you know, our opponents are not flesh and blood. They're principalities and powers. And so, you know, there's this, there's an infiltration into culture, you know, infiltration that's been going on for, you know, for centuries, but um, inf- the enemy always starts with a lie, you know, his, and it, but it's very subtle, because his lie comes with a question, did God really say, you know, so people then, it throws people off, they're not sure what they think, and then that opens them up to indoctrination, and so we've been, I mean, we're in a different kind of war, it's a war of indoctrination that is, you know, has a goal. The goal is to subvert traditional culture, which is pretty much standard and has been for thousands of years in human cultures all over the world. And, but that's the goal, you know, is to subvert that culture, to destroy morality, to destroy the family, because the family is an, a manifestation of private property, according to the spirit behind all this, which Karl Marx wrote this in the the, the, the Communist Manifesto in 1848. That, and so the, the traditional family and traditional culture is an enemy of, of the enemy. And the, what the enemy wants to do is destroy everything. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give us abundant life. And the abundant life is there from the beginning. You know, it was there in the garden. Adam, of course, opened the door to sin and death. And I think, man... I feel bad for the consequences of my sins in my life if I think about them. And the Lord reminds me not to think about them, to just, you know, he says, I saved you, I called you, I justified you, you're, you know, I've empowered you. But, but I think, wow, you know, but this is, this is the attack that's worldwide. It's in the entertainment. It's in the educational system. I mean, now, you know, you have these situations with the Eau Claire, Wisconsin school board, or the Eau Claire, Wisconsin teachers were, were being taught to, to try to guard their children from their parents so they could indoctrinate them. Of course, they wouldn't use that language. They feel, all these people feel like they're doing something good. That's the amazing thing. Everybody thinks it's good, but if, it, if what we think is good is actually based in a lie, then it's not good. And so I just feel like I want, so I want to start that, but it, it takes a bit of research and structure or else it comes out as gobbledygook. I don't want to make you mad. I want to make you empowered. I want to make you able to stand in the warfare and make progress and shine the light, you know. So we get this amazing weekly oasis of God's presence and grace and the word of God, and we come out of here feeling good, you know, and then we have to be very careful how we live out in the midst of the culture, not only to protect the hope, the living hope that's in us, but also so that our communication is wise. You know, that we want to be bold, but we don't want to be obnoxious, unless it's God. But the, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that happens. <laughs> Paul said, I bear in my body the scars, you know, the marks, the stigmata of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he was beaten and whipped and stoned and imprisoned and shipwrecked. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful my life has been easier than his. Although the glory manifested through his life, I would say, outshines 
what I've done, you know? So, so this is the topic for today. Okay, so Father, thank you. We just thank you that you've given us living hope, that it's not hope in an idea, but it's hope in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who we will never fully comprehend, but who will continually fascinate us for all eternity. We thank you for the lamb who was slain. We thank you for the price that was paid, that, that we were ransomed by his blood, and that now we're free, we're not slaves. We thank you for that. We pray the word, Holy Spirit, open the word up and just fuel the hope and the, the joy and the confidence, the boldness that's in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I feel like the Lord, actually, there will be a grace here today of healing, you know, um, and there may be grace for other conditions, but I felt specifically the Lord talking to me about healing for depression and anxiety. And I don't know if maybe um, Chandi was preaching last week, and um, I watched online, but I can't remember if, if that was also last week that that's a call, but it's a word from the Lord. So if you've been struggling with that, and we get used to it, you know, and I thank God for medicine and thank God for um, compassion around us, but the, here's the reality. We don't have to live with it. You know, these things are temporary. They can alleviate suffering, but they don't go to the root, and God wants to go to the root and pull it out in Jesus' name. Okay, quickly. So, I know you already know this is the day the Lord has made, so we're going to rejoice, which means we have to be happy, right? And actually, actually, this word could be translated jump up and down, so I know that'll be a stretch for some of you, but why don't you stand up at least, and, uh, and we're going to rejoice and be glad, which means give a loud shout, and if you want to jump, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I have to manage my time here because um, I actually, I was thinking, oh, the first day of daylight savings time, but I woke up in a good mood, so that, this is very important. But I, So a little background to what I'm going to say today. Um, 2 Timothy 3.1, and I haven't forgotten the book of Romans. We'll, we'll, we'll drop into Romans 8 here in part of this, but 2 Timothy 3.1, it says, in the last days, perilous times will come, New King James, dangerous times will come, times of difficulty, English Standard Version. So in other words, it's like, wow, it's going to be bad, you know, and people will be, will be in self-love. They'll be lovers of themselves, which is very interesting because we're living in this situation. But here's the thing. These times will come, but the, the times... Uh, the, the word for times there is, is this, this Greek word kairos that, that has the idea of seasons and moments. So they're, scat, they're salted all through history. But it's not like even though we, we experience, they come and they go, they come and they go, we experience them, but it's not the reality we live in. And, uh, and so, but... And here's what I want to do this, just for a little perspective, that this has been happening for a long time. So I'll go back to my misspent youth, you know, at age 14 in the summer of 1965, um, help was number one 
song on, and this was back in the days of AM radio when there were top 40s, you know, so, so and all around the world, people wanted to know what, you know, too bad if you were number 51, you know, like nobody knew who you were, but, but so help was number one for a number of weeks, and it got knocked off the chart in August of 1965 by, a, by an unknown songwriter and by Barry McGuire, who had been a folk singer. He'd sung with the new Christy Minstrels. I know if you're not 70 years old, you're like, what is he talking about? This is like my parents talking about the 1920s, you know. <laughs> but, but so this song came out called The Eve of Destruction. And, uh, by, and Barry McGuire later met the Lord and came out with bullfrogs and butterflies and God used him mightily. And he was, he was saved sovereignly. Uh, but, but anyway, so I won't go into his salvation story. But, you know, so the words are, so this is, I'm a kid and I'm hearing this and this is my religion because I don't know the Lord. It's like people are looking for ideas and ideologies, which is why we need to understand the power of subversion in ideas. So I'm hearing this sung, the Eastern world, it is exploding, violence flares, bullets loading, you're old enough to kill but not for voting. That was changed by a law later, but the... Uh, and even the Jordan River has bodies floating. And you tell me over and over and over again, nah, you don't believe. I, you know, Barry McGuire had this deep, gritty voice. You, we're on the eve of destruction. No, 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 you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. So this is like brainwashing, you know, <laughs> You know, that, um, you know, a button could be pushed. And so this fear, you know, fear is, is the weapon of the enemy to cause a generation to lose hope because you kind of feel like, man, you know, and this opens you up to sha-na-na-na, live for today, don't worry about tomorrow, you know, because it might not come. And we were programmed as children, uh, you know, in the early 1960s, uh, you know, there would be these warnings that would go off all across the nation on the radio. Bleep, bleep, bleep. And then it would say, this is only a test. But it was programming for, well, what if it's not a test? And so in school, we would all, you know, the, t the bells would ring and, the, and all of the students would obediently get underneath our desks, which are going to protect us from thermonuclear <laughs> blasts. So... And, you know, and I remember maybe I was about 11 years old, I'm going, it's summertime, I'm going down, there was a lake a couple blocks from my house, it was a, a resort town in Northern California, and I go to the lake, and I'm going to the gatehouse, and there was a, a newspaper stand there that sold San Francisco Chronicles, and the, the headline was, we will bury you. And it was a quote from Nikita Khrushchev at the United Nations with a, a steel, uh, steel heel on his shoe to pound on the podium, and he sounded like a real tough guy. And actually, Nikita Khrushchev had an inferiority complex, which, I mean, <laughs> he did. And you know what? But here's the thing. He was wrong, but these are like two-inch headlines, and I'm a 10-year-old kid, and I'm going like... And this was right after the Bay of Pigs fiasco and Cuba and all this stuff, so... So I'm just saying, these times have been around for a long time. So we've been living through two years of negativity, of fear, of irrational, uh, you know, 
mandates and whether the shots are good or not, I leave to your own research, but the mandates are terrible and they're, they're a violation of constitutional liberty and all these things. And so, but here's, but, but see, there's a much deeper thing being, the, the sexual anarchy that was released in the, in the 1960s is really the subset for this because as the morality of a culture declines, the government always becomes more and more totalitarian because people aren't governing themselves, so they need more outside force. So, I mean, these are just like broad uh, philosophical statements, and, you know, I'm not arguing a particular moment here. But, so, in the middle of this, we have to decide, since we're going to live in these times, will we be thermostats or will we be thermometers? And here's the deal, if you're a thermostat, you can change the situation wherever, wherever you have influence. If you're a thermometer, all you can do is talk about how terrible it is, and which does nothing except it actually embeds the narrative of fear and deprives you of the living hope, which is that Holy Spirit energy inside you. Uh, that's testifying to you that you are a child of God. Okay, so... Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 18. Because we, we arrived here the last time I was speaking on Romans. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory which will be revealed in us. So Paul is writing to the Romans, and of course it was, this, it was the same in that day as well as now that there were, there were wars and rumors of war and tumult and injustice and, and totally living in Rome, totalitarian government. But he's got, he makes this point that our current sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Now, this thought is not unique in Paul's writings to the Romans. When he wrote to the Corinthians, he, who were also living in a pagan culture and totally countercultural, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So Paul, as he's walking around, maybe like slightly physically broken and handicapped from all the, the suffering and opposition and war, you know, stoning and, and beating, you know, you, you don't come out of it. That's why he wrote, I bear in my body the mark. So he, he may have been aging quickly. And he says, my inner man is wasting away, but my out, I mean, my outer man is wasting away, but the inner self is being renewed day by day. So every day, it doesn't matter what your body looks like. It, what matters is what your inner self looks like because there's a radiant glory that can come out of the most like what would just be objectively if you only did it on appearance, you'd say, well, that's a rather decrepit person or an insignificant person. But I'm telling you, when the glory of God is shining out of people, it doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how educated you are. There's an inner glory that shines. Anyway. And we've seen it. And Roland Baker, I, I always stay in touch with Roland. He said, you know, so they're dealing with, with 
villages that they planted churches in. Some of the villages, I was there as part of the church plant outreach in northern Mozambique. I mean, they, he sent me videos of decapitated, these are the believers, decapitated. And uh, I said, wow, how does, and, and he says, this is crazy, I've never seen so much suffering and I've never seen such glorious joy and faith in the people once they recover from their grief. They're, they're filled with this supernatural, heavenly joy that has great power. And why are those people's heads cut off? It wasn't because they were living in fear, they could have run, it was because they stood in faith. So what would happen is the terrorists would come and say, deny Christ, so we're gonna you know, do all, and they would just think up more and more demonic things, and they'd go like. And you know what they'd do after they chopped off the first head? They'd go and they'd put up crosses outside of their huts. Come on. Anyway, I'm just saying, God, I'm glad I'm not living there. Okay, but so Paul writes this, our inner man's renewed day, 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 verse 17, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For this momentary, this light momentary affliction. Did you ever say light momentary? Okay, we'll try it again. I know I, I don't usually make you say that, but just say light momentary affliction. This is what it's good to say when you get some really bad news. Say, this is a light momentary affliction. It's not going to stay, okay? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's why we, we don't look at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And then this, one, this statement really boggles my mind. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 he, and he's describing, then he, in, the, in 2 Corinthians 5, he's describing all of the things he suffered. And then he concludes it with verse six. He says, so we're always of good courage. <laughs> like, which is, this is the same Greek word that's translated in the King James, be of good cheer. It, it's translated confident. We're always confident. Why? Because it's a perspective of not letting the affliction be the ruling factor, but, but believing that there's an eternal purpose, that you've been called by his eternal purpose, and he's actually going, because you love him, he is going to cause everything to work for your good. Even if we die, it works for our good. You know, I'm just saying that. So, and I say that for people who've lost loved ones, lost, lost jobs, all kinds of things that have gone on. Kids have lost years of education. People have lost businesses. By the way, the greatest transfer of wealth in human history occurred in 2020. $3.7 trillion were taken out from small businesses that were, you know, that were shut down and all of this stuff, and these large multinational corporations, which I'm, this is not an anti-corporation uh, statement, but it's true, these, these multinational, you know, vertically integrated, you know, the Amazon, the big box stuff, and I'm not against anybody, it's the world we live in, but they gained $3.7 trillion in the same period. Hmm, anyway, just think about that. But I'm just saying, so what does this mean? It, here's, here's the reality, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter because the resurrection is here and it doesn't matter whatever happens in one year can be undone in the next year and if it can't be done in the next year, the next decade and if it can't be done in the next decade, the next century because God will fill the earth with his glory. Amen. And you heard Chandi preach last week, the earth is the Lord's. Okay. So, Back to Romans 8, 19, creation waits with eager longing for the revealing or the unveiling of the sons of God. And this is for all the women too. We've all received this spirit of adoption, spirit of sonship. And so we have have an inseparable inheritance with Jesus. It can't be separated. It's a joint inheritance. That's wild that gives you confidence, you know? That's like, okay, whatever happens in this world, I'm just making a deposit. I'm doing my part, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to conquer the world. I'm here to serve the one who said he will, and he'll do it much better than I ever would. Okay, so verse 20, creation, everything created was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, second law of thermodynamics, chaos, all kinds, you know, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So this is a wild statement. I mean, we don't usually think this way, that somehow what, what we're stewarding won't just save us, heal us from our diseases, Bring, bring our broken lives back together, our broken families back together, but it'll bring a broken universe into the order that it was originally intended to be in, or even better, I don't know. You know, verse 22, we, but th- there is this issue of the freedom of the glory of the children of God, and sometimes we, we don't have time to go into this issue today, but this is a very serious issue that there's a glory given to us that we're stewarding. And if we don't steward it well, then it dissipates and it's not, it's not manifested. If we, if we pursue it, it's not our glory, it's his glory in us. <laughs> it's like, and it's like the, when the glory is on you, sometimes you're aware of it, but many times you're not. But other people are feeling the impact, whether they have that language or not. Like, you know, when you were speaking, it just... It just, I felt different, you know? I mean, phew, may God bless you. This is, what, this is why he gave you the Holy Spirit, you know? Why he said, wait until you've received power from on high. Okay, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So creation, there's actually a, a kind of intercession going on in all of creation. All of creation is longing, and this word groaning is like, ah. Uh. If Bishop Joseph Garlington was here, he, nobody can groan like, like Bishop Joseph. Okay, ah. Uh. But it, it's, a, it's a form of prayer. And it, but it's birth pains. It's not, just, it's not just feeling bad. Birth, like contractions are not fun. And I'm glad I never had them, but I observed a couple births. And, uh, and it's intense. And maybe more than a couple, but it's like, it's, it's this, ah, and so there's this, there's a groaning in all of creation longing for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? 
Sometimes you might say, hey, a tree has more faith than I do. You know, like, not, it's not conscious faith. It's not in partnership with faith. But there's a groaning in the stars, in the atmosphere, in the mountains, the rivers, the, the whales, the rocks. And it's groaning. There's something in them that, that it's not quite the way it's meant to be. And, and it's like childbirth. Verse 23, not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, and some of us groan outwardly when we're in prayer, and uh, it, it's a form of prayer that's beyond words. You know, we, we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, which the redemption of our bodies is the fullness of our salvation, but here's the, the reality is that, you know, we're, we're sanctified spirit, our whole spirit, our whole soul, and our whole body is sanctified. This is Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. And so even though our bodies, you know, we will be, Paul said, I don't want to be unclothed, I want to be further clothed and so that life swallows up mortality. But he's talking about that either at the moment of death or when the Lord returns, that we get absolutely new bodies, but there is always this tension that we're living in the already not yet tension of the kingdom of God. And so there's, there's a, it's not like you say, well, that's, you know, that doesn't work until I'm dead. No, just go for it. Say, God, I'm, I'm contending for the redemption of my body because you can be rejuvenated in a faith covenant with God. This is what happened to Sarah and Abraham. They were rejuvenated and able to bear it. This is what happened to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were rejuvenated and able to bear. And so you might think, like, I think, okay, I'm 71 years old, you know, like, hey, God, how much longer do I have? What, you know, what am I supposed to do for these next, you know, five, ten years? Or what if he says, well, what, how, what are you going to do for the next 50 years? Like, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to have that big of a plan. But, but, I mean, we don't, we're not thinking like God, you know, so just say, God, redeem my body, and whenever I go, I'm ready, you know, shaka. So, likewise, Stephen lived a full life as a young man, you know, um, so, okay, I better keep going here, because it's just about time. I, I always have about seven messages in one message, so, but the Spirit also helps us in our um, weaknesses, and when we don't know what to pray, he intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And so the Spirit also groans with, with groanings that can't be put into words, and sometimes we've, we find in that articulation, of, if we're praying in, with our understanding and praying in the Spirit, there are times when, the, when the, the praying in the Spirit, it might be a speaking in a, in a language of men or of angels, or it might be something too deep for words, but you're, you're praying in the Spirit with the Holy Spirit. So I'm just, isn't that amazing? The, the Spirit intercedes for us. A little later in this chapter, it says that Jesus intercedes for us. In, in Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus always is interceding for us. In Hebrews, it also says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and they're not there just watching. You know, there's this idea when you go to heaven, you don't know anything that's going on on earth because it might concern you. But how about if we're actually there and God says, hey, you want to do some work? Here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to get all these guys 
I'm trying to get them to be who they are. I want to see the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole creation is groaning saints, and so we're, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I used to think of it as a, a stadium. Now I think of it like the cloud, you know, the internet cloud, like it's everywhere. They're cheering us on, which is wonderful, but it's also scary. Okay, so wh- how do we do this? How, do, what, how on earth can we live this way? So here's simple instructions. First Thessalonians 5, rejoice always. So that's just like, okay, how do I stay clean in a toxic culture? Rejoice always. Not at what's going on around us, but what's going on within us, and not just within us as lone individuals out in a desert by ourselves, but what's going on in, in you know, billions of believers around the world, and, and you know, prayers are still being answered from centuries, maybe millennia ago. So we rejoice always. We pray without ceasing, which is this whole issue of staying in communication. Most prayer is listening. And so we're, we're, we're always listening. We're always in this attitude, God, I can't do this without you. None of this is out of my own ability. It's all your ability. I need you every day. I need you every hour as the... the him says. I need him like every second. Because within an hour, I can do a lot of messed up stuff, you know? (laughs) Okay, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This, This humbles us to learn, to find God. Okay, Thank you. I don't know why, but thank you. And, but here's the thing. When we obey, he will give us revelation, and our, our souls will be sanctified, transformed, and we will discover his goodness is in everything. Nineteen, do not quench the spirit. Twenty, do not despise prophecies. These are very important things. How do we quench the spirit? By not letting the Holy Spirit move. Very big temptation. Uh, for, for a lot of us, because sometimes the Holy Spirit, have you ever had the Holy Spirit move when it's not convenient? <laughs> like, not now, God. Like this. Yep, so don't quench the Spirit. Don't, uh, don't despise prophecies. What we're, we're to judge pro- prophetic words and keep the good and, and say, well, that probably wasn't, because we know in part and prophesy in part. Uh, test everything. Hold, uh, just said, that's what it, okay, I just, said that. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. That's pretty basic. But, but because of the subversion of our culture, things that are evil are now taught to be good. I mean, so this is why, why we just need to be alert. And verse 23, now, now not, in a, not when you die, but now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. Yes. So all of this works, it's just effort unless we change our focus. This is why, you know, I thank God for, for news, I thank God for the freedom of the press, that even if, if it seems like the press has been subverted, there's, because of, of this freedom that we have at least now, there's all kinds of alternative news sources that are free, and you know what? Here's the deal. Even if it all gets shut down, there'll be underground newspapers <laughs> that'll be printed at home, you know? It's just like, but we have, but the news won't save your soul. It won't 
set you free, it won't give you peace, it won't bring healing to your body or to your family. It just is sort of like, okay, I know it's bad out there. Now, how much detail do you need? It's, I'll leave that up to you. And, but the, so we need to change our focus. So here's Jeremiah 3. Jeremiah is living through everything he's hoped for, believed for, has been torn down and is being burnt, and, and the people, God's covenant people, are taken captive by the most evil empire of that day, the Babylonian empire, and they're weeping in Jerusalem. Jer Jeremiah writes Lamentation, which for some strange reason is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I just feel I, I want to weep with God when I'm reading it, but it, right in chapter three, which is kind of in the middle of the book, he changes his focus, and this is so important. My soul, Lamentation 3.20, my soul continually remembers it. This is all is lost, and sometimes grief is that way. You can't get it out of your mind. You've lost your child. By the way, our, our missionaries, Rachel and uh, our, uh, Lucas, Lucas and Rachel Scrobot, who are in a, a closed country in the Middle East, just yeah, Rachel had a, a stillbirth miscarriage, and they're pretty, you know, devastated in the natural. And so, just keep them in prayer. They've got four beautiful boys, and uh, another beautiful boy was born, but he wasn't alive. And so, um, but you know, there is this kind of grief that you can't, like, you can't forget that. It, at, you, it marks you, you know, it, it's something you, you carry, but if it's your focus, your, your life goes down the tube. If it's not your focus, then it becomes part of the suffering that adds to the glory in your life. And so here's what Jeremiah does, verse 20. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down with me, in me, meaning it just he starts weeping again. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Like he, he deliberately says, I need to call to mind the things that bring me hope. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So in other words, God's chesed covenant love, his loving kindness, his ten, it never ceases. It flows from his being, the I am. He exists as long as anything exists. God, I mean, the whole universe can be wiped out and God is still I am, you know? So I, his steadfast love flows from his very being into creation and specifically and relationally into your life. If you, he makes a covenant with us and so the steadfast love of of the Lord never ceases, his mercies, his tender mercies, his rachamim, his his compassion, like these are the, like he wants to hold you and comfort you and weep with you. His tender mercies never come to an end. Is that good? Like you can't get on God's last nerve. You can't, like, okay, I've had it. You're out of here. We, you know, people can get on our nerves and we can run out of our patience and he never runs out of his steadfast love or his mercies. They never come to an end. They are new, verse 23, they are new every morning, which means no matter how bad you were yesterday, this morning, God has renewed his mercies. Come on. 
So you get new, fresh mercy, freshly mended mercy every morning, and then then he cries out, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, amen, amen. Okay, so I, I used up my time. You have to stand up, and I wanna bless you. Isn't God good? Yeah. <laughs> some of you aren't sure, but okay. <laughs> or some of you aren't vocal. That's the reality of it. But God, correct our vision. Cause us to behold the manner of love that you've bestowed, that you've lavished upon us, that we would be called your children. And that's who we are. God, it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but when we see you, we'll be like you, for we'll see you as you are. We pray that the vision of your goodness and of your your mercy and your, your faithfulness would be the anchor and the orientation for our lives. And we cry out that you would come and fill us with hope. We cry out, we thank you, God, that this hope is the antidote for anxiety, for depression, for loss, for grief. We pray that waves of fresh mercy would wash over us. We pray that you would fill us again, day after day, with your loving kindness. And that as, as the Holy Spirit pours your love into us, it would pour out of us, in Jesus' name. I want to open the altar today, especially if you've struggled. These years have just, they've devastated you. They've, and you just say, I'm not, I'm not what I was two years ago. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. That God, we thank you that there's a grace here to destroy anxiety, that we cast our anxiety on you and we experience your care for us. We pray for this. We pray that our hope, our vision of your love would would just so transform us, we would purify ourselves. God, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. And uh, so again, as we leave, if you came here for prayer, there's healing here, there's always healing here. And specifically, there's a grace for breaking anxiety and depression's grip on your life. If you've never met Jesus, you can meet him right here today. He wants, to, he wants to change your life and change your world. The rest of you, may God bless you, keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you in every way. May you know that when you look to him, his countenance is turned toward you and that he has put his peace upon you. As you bear his name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.